When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the offensive line, Jalen Hurts, um, duh, and preview the Week 16 matchup against Dallas. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. No singing today? No no singing of Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts, baby! There we there go. You now go. now it's, officially a, it's officially a show now. I'm, do, I'm doing well. It's a, a, a indirect playoff game, it seems like, coming up, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. You know what? I love covering the end of the season. One, because I enjoy the offseason more than the actual season, because I love covering the business side of football like no other. Um, I'm excited for you to go through that with me because I'm obsessive. Um, But (laughs) also because like there's this, look, I've been in, I've seen this story before. I've covered a 2018 comeback with Nick Foles. I've covered uh, Carson Wentz leading this team on a miraculous four game winning streak to make the playoffs. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen a double doink game. I've done all this stuff. I've seen this story before, and I'm starting to get that feeling that whether Eagles fans want it or not, something big is coming. And look, I think the Eagles can beat the bricks off the Cowboys. We'll do our predictions later. I definitely think Carolina can upset Washington. I think the Ravens are going to run through the Giants. And that's all setting up for a really interesting Week 17 matchup against Washington where, you know, if the Eagles handle theirs and Carolina does them favors, the Eagles are a win away from the playoffs, which is kind of crazy with another quarterback. I mean, like, think about that for a second. Like, if if Doug Peterson goes to the playoffs four consecutive times with – three different quarterbacks. That's kind of wild, right? I mean, like that's, that's wild. Uh, But no, I mean, look, I like covering positive things. (laughs) So uh, I think the aspect of, you know, it's any man's race in the NFC right now, NFC East right now is pretty wild. 
Yeah, it really, it really is. And, and the way things are setting up, I mean, you, you have to give credit to Peterson because the guys haven't quit on him. You, you have to give him credit for that. And it's, it's like this, this thing is, they say they go one game at a time, one week at a time, but you could tell there's a change down there. I mean, everybody, everybody's, it seemed like, I don't know, from, just from my, my angle, as soon as they announced that Hertz was a starter, it just seemed like he had this big weight off his shoulder. He actually, he was happy the day after when we finally got to talk to him. He seemed like he was more upbeat. He seemed like, and it's just seemed infectious from there on out. And it, it, it's something about this team right now. It's something about Peterson and the coaching staff that's able to go ahead and get the most out of these players when it comes down to this end of the season. It, it's, it's, it's a testament to the job he's done so far. And the way I, I know we're going to talk later, it's just setting up like, we may be uh we may have been one of the one o'clock games like we may be having a four or possibly eight the way it's going right now. Yeah, and God knows that you've heard me complain about four o'clock four o'clock games basically all the second half of the season. So, because um, <laughs> like four o'clock games are like night games where you basically have to shelve a lot of your content, you know, for the next day when you want to get that stuff out. And it's like, whatever. Anyway, that's too behind the curtain. That's too inside baseball. But um, You can't give a secret out. Yeah, let's get into it. So <laughs> uh, since our last podcast, the Eagles uh, designated Deshaun Jackson to return. A little surprising for me. I didn't really think that they were going to bring him back. Uh, we spoke to Doug Peterson this morning. We're recording this Thursday. Happy, I mean, Merry Christmas Eve to you. Merry Christmas if you're listening to this. Happy holidays in general. Um, but you know, Deshaun's making progress. He worked with the offense this week in practice. I don't know if he'll be back this week, but maybe he's back. If Washington is like a big deal, we remember what happened in week one last year when Deshaun just went off on them. Um, look, you know how I, if you've listened to this podcast for more than a month, you know how I feel about older players taking up space. Um, and how I think that if you're going to win, it's only advantageous if you're winning with young guys who are developing like Quez Watkins. Like, what is that? Like, to me, I don't know what that says to the rest of the team when this team is successful without guys. Now, they haven't been super successful without Deshaun Jackson. They haven't been super successful without Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey has made some plays over the last couple of weeks. Uh, which I'm sure you're grinning on the other side of your microphone. Oh, you know uh, I am. But, like, Quez Watkins is dynamic, man. I wasn't expecting any of that from, from this past week. And so I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they make, like, inactive. Like, if they make Travis Fulgham inactive, whew, oh, the city's going to be furious. I mean, as it is, he's already been basically demoted to, like, the fifth wide receiver, but... Uh, you know, what do you think about Deshaun potentially coming back? I, I somewhat agree. I probably think, uh, definitely. And just the way they've gone with the way they've used a 21 day practice window. I don't, I don't think he's going to play this week. I really don't. I think it's going to be more like a conditioning, get, get reacclimated to the whole, the way things are again, get tested out, test that ankle out. But I think that if he does, if they are in a position next week where, they are playing for a division title. I think he is coming back. I really think that I, – I think it will be to the detriment of Quez Watkins, and he's the guy I think that will be the odd man out 
because even though Fogelman has seen a steady decrease in his snaps and his effectiveness, I think that just in case, you know, with the given the injury history of Alshon Jeffrey or just in case something happens like that, you have another X receiver ready to go because they're not they're not going to JJ Arcega Whiteside because he's been inactive the last few games. So I really think that I, I feel like I'm torn. I still feel think like you still have to get the young guys some some reps and give them some run. But the thing's going to be is it when you have an opportunity to win a division. I know a lot of people are going to be upset because they'll drop from like the seventh or ninth draft pick to nineteenth. But you still want to install that culture of winning, and you still want to go ahead and have these guys give these young guys a taste because you're going to lose a lot of veteran leadership at the end of this year, be albeit cuts or trades or what have you. So. You're gonna you're gonna need to get these guys. Hey, this is how it's done. This is how you go ahead and make the playoffs the postseason. So when these young guys have a second, third year, they can go ahead and step up and be those leaders when these other guys are gone. So, I this week I don't see it. I don't I don't, I don't see a problem not playing Jackson. Especially I don't think he's going to play. But next week I think it is going. I'd put him in there. Just just I'd put him in there to give you a shot. Okay, well, uh, instead of debating this, because we both know where we stand, uh, let's move into some 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 positive stuff. So for the first time, well, the second time in 15 games, the Eagles are going to start the same offensive line, uh, which is why, I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, like, uh, if that's got to be your positive. Uh, look, I think Matt Pryor is going to have a really tough time against Demarcus Lawrence. A really tough time. Um, this is not a good match. I mean, I don't think Matt Pryor starting at right tackle is ever a good matchup unless maybe you're going up against, like, Jannard Avery. But, uh, like, I just uh, – I don't know. Uh, Brett Toth will be the the swing tackle, as he has been the past two weeks. Luke Jurigo will be the backup center. And then uh, Ross Pierschbacher, who they just signed, uh, who was uh, Jalen Hurts's center at Alabama he'll be the backup guard um look they're just gonna have to get by I mean this is that's just basically what it is and and luckily Jalen Hurts's ability to kind of extend plays is probably better meant for a, a less stable offensive line than than Carson Wentz where are you at with the offensive line right now what did you think overall of their performance against um Arizona and where do you think they can go from here well, I thought four fifths of the line, offensive line, played well, uh, given the circumstances against Arizona, uh, minus Matt Pryor, because he he just doesn't his foot. He I know he, he they work on footwork and they work on technique every day, and we've heard Jeff Stoutland talk about blocking as I think Matt Pryor just he he has the effort, he gives effort, but the problem is he doesn't have the ability to play that position, and it's really tough to see him to see this offense. Thrive, really, really thrive with him at the right tackle spot. They're going to have to do it. The thing uh, I did see when they did uh, they did well was when they had they had to bring a tight end toward, toward that side, and meaning that they're going to have to go that twelve personnel in order to help out with the blocking. And this thing, especially when it, you you this is where you really miss Lane Johnson because that fact that you go ahead, you have to leave Ertzin or you have to leave most likely Goddard in the block. It, it really limits the amount of the effectiveness of the weapons you have going out in those passing games. I will say this, the one thing I know we're going to talk about hurts in a little bit, but the one thing that was really encouraging to see, especially for his mechanics, when he first came in, not only uh, was he when he was rolling out to his left side, he, he wasn't as accurate. But the one thing I did like that he was doing when he got the pressure, 
when he did it, when he was able to elude that from that right side that Pryor gave out, he was able to go ahead and roll out to his left square up and throw pretty accurately on the left side. I think he completed like 66% of his passes to the left side, the left, the left hash and beyond. And I thought that was very encouraging, especially being that, uh, given what Reddick and everybody else was doing the prior, it was just, ooh, it was rough. But this, they're showing progress, they're gelling, and they're getting together. So I think it's possibly, uh, especially against this Cowboys line, you may have to slide the line over toward that side just to give Pryor some help. But overall, it, it's encouraging to see what these guys have done when they've been working together for an extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that it's important for a communication standpoint. I think it's good for Jalen Hurts' confidence. He knows what to expect. There's no, like, new elements being thrown in there. It helps for game planning, etc. So there's that. But, look, I think they're going to roll him out a lot to the left because, really, that's the right move. Uh, you just got to hope that Matt Pryor and Dallas Goddard can really, you know, form a tandem there on the right side. Um, look, getting into this preview of Dallas, this is always a game that is played a lot more dramatically than it maybe deserves to be. Um, there's always one blowout, and that's typically in the middle of the season, wh- whichever way it goes. And then. This second game is typically closer, uh, just based in the last 20 years, outside of, you know, when they, you know, got in the playoffs and and Chris Clemens uh, had that sack fumble and then Brian Dawkins did all the great stuff that he did in that Week 17 game. Uh, I think it was 2000, I want to say it was 2007 or 2008. Yeah, it was 2008 because they went to the, they did the playoff run and then lost to Arizona. But, um, you know, overall, I think when when we talk about this rivalry, it feels like a lot of pieces are missing. Obviously, Carson Wentz, obviously Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, uh, you know, Zach Ertz's effectiveness, um, you know, Dak Prescott's not here. Uh, there's a lot of new faces. And so it just kind of like to me, this doesn't feel like Dallas week. It does feel like kind of the Eagles fan base is kind of hoping – Part of the Eagles fan base is hoping for a better pick. Other people just have that old school mentality of just beat Dallas. Seems like the fan base is really torn. So it's a weird feeling Dallas week. Um, I said before, I think that the Eagles can defeat the Cowboys, even though they're on a two game winning streak. That defense is terrible. I think Andy Dalton is a guy who can really be messed up by how well the defensive line plays. I think Alex Singleton continues to come into his own as a linebacker, as a starting linebacker. The secondary gets Darius Slay back. There's a lot going on here. So, but obviously the key to this game is Jalen Hurts. And when you look at the Cowboys defense, boy, they are giving away a lot of rushing yards and a lot of passing yards. And that is good for Jalen Hurts. I also think it leads to a different style of game planning than you saw against Arizona. You saw in Arizona, they they forced they rolled him out a lot. They kind of took away one half of the field, etc. Cowboys have two meh corners. Uh, their safeties are meh. And I think that they're going to be able to utilize the field here um as you hear uh sirens in the background um everything's well at least for me um 
but I think you're also going to get to see Miles Jalen Hurts' true effectiveness for Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is the key to this game, but because Jalen Hurts is so dangerous with his legs, and now he's shown with his arms, right? You've seen the sample size of the legs against the Saints, and then you saw his arm against the Cardinals. And if he can put that together, and that's what the Cowboys have to game plan for, it's really going to pay dividends for for Miles Sanders, in my opinion. Hey, I agree, especially with the way this uh, the, the the porous defense that the the Cowboys have done when it comes against the run. It's just, I think this is go back. Remember last week I said like they got that pass ball. I think this is more on a run ball, run game, running the zone. I think the zone read is going to be really effective, and I think especially with the way that the Cowboys try to line up against it, especially with the, uh, the defensive ends, their defensive ends are very aggressive. And if you're going to go ahead and have somebody continually trying to go at uh, Jalen Hurts, if they're going to continue to try to pass rush and you single them up and you want to keep on going, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders can have a big game in that. I think especially up the middle and they're worried about that. So I think that's going to be a, that's going to be a really good thing as well too. I really, really think that if that ankle of uh, Jalen Rager is okay, I think he can have a big game. And I think the way they used him against the Saints – that will be that was a great key. I think that's going to be a way that the Eagles can use against the Cowboys, using him around on that wide side on those end arounds, using him on the wide receiver screens like the, the way they use Quez Watkins with that Jalen Rager behind there, using his his punt return of uh, vision on a wide receiver screen. I think that's going to be dangerous against this defense as well too. So the the key as well too, especially if Leighton Vanderesh can't play, all this Cowboys the Eagles offense can. I think they can feast really. They can have a really really good day on this against this Cowboys defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, when you when you look at what the Eagles have, like we, we talked about this a little while ago, I think the wide receiver group is a lot in a lot better shape than people want to realize. They're still young. They're still developing. They do need a true ace. Maybe Jalen Rager develops into that. Maybe the Eagles take a, a guy like that in the first round in the top 10. Um, or maybe in the second round, if they fall, if they end up making the playoffs and 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 get further back to where they're probably going to take a pass rusher or uh, a cornerback in the first round, um, I just kind of think like they're kind of, you know, they have a bunch of pieces that aren't great at one particular thing, or or they're not very well rounded pieces, but you can kind of get something from all of them, and I think that that helps. I think that helps in a game like this, where you don't really know who the Eagles' number one wide receiver is. So you've got corners not really focused on one specific guy, and that can kind of help your offense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It's it really does make it tough when you game plan, and the good thing is, I think everybody sort of knows their role in. When it comes to the receivers position, I think everybody knows what basically they're they're limited. I, I wish at times Peterson was. Th- I know they have to run some wide receivers off to run off to set up other uh, routes in the in the in the play. But sometimes, like I'm not buying Alshon Jeffrey running a fade route like right. a 40 yard bomb. But I think everybody. The one thing I'll say, Aaron Mord has done a good job getting these guys prepared and uh and improving. And I think they, as long as they go, they go ahead and stay, and they are able to actually execute and make these plays and make the catches, and and, and that's one thing I've, I like to see as well too. They're starting to catch with their hands a little bit more, which is very beneficial. But as long as they go ahead and, and diversify the way they run their routes and the, and the way they're able to go ahead and perform, this there really isn't one area you can really truly target or try to stop, and that makes that offense more potent. And to me, this is a big game for two guys. 
Greg Ward and Zach Ertz, uh, they're going to be rotating in the slot. And look, I think Zach Ertz is due for a big game. I mean, he's been due for a big game all season. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but with Dallas Goddard blocking um, and that pro- probably being his primary role, although Dallas Goddard has l- had a few good games against the Cowboys in the past. Um, I just think this is this is a the center of the field is going to be big. Because we saw Jalen Hurts throw to the sidelines a lot over the last two games and not really attack the middle of the field. I think that changes this weekend. It seems like every week the Eagles or excuse me, are trying to show a different look for Jalen Hurts, right? Like last the first week, a lot of design runs, a lot of um really easy quick timing routes. Against the Cardinals, they let him fly. Uh, they let they let the ball loose. They were taking shots downfield. I thought there were some really good, uh, you know, routes down the field as far as you know testing DBs with more than just maybe a a ten yard comeback or or a slant route. Um, this week, I think they're going to work the middle of the field because they haven't before, right? Um, and I do think there's going to be a ton of RPOs. Uh, but RPOs that help both Greg Ward and Zach Ertz run slants, run Y routes, like they're going to have opportunities. And I think that this is going to be a really good game for the center of the field on offense on let's move over to defense though. Right? So Darius Slay cleared concussion protocol, Michael Jaquette, who we were, we were both really impressed by against the Cardinals. Obviously he gave up a ton of yardage to, to, to Hopkins, but he battled. He's an undrafted rookie free agent. He seems like he has absolutely no fear. He's got freakishly uh, heat, long arms. He's six foot one, about 202 pounds. Uh, this guy might be a gem. I don't know if he's a starter per se, but he could be a guy who's a really good fourth corner for this team in the best case scenario. Um, and, and then look, I thought Kayvon Wallace played really well last week. I thought Marcus Epps played pretty well i i think the secondary is something to be like really intrigued by because you are so used to seeing rodney mcleod and jalen mills and and uh you know some of these mainstay guys this is a really different look you know you have jalen mills you have michael jaquette you have darius slay and then you have epps and, and wallace kind of sharing that free safety role um it's kind of hard to game plan for that too you don't really know what you're getting from these young pups uh, in the secondary, and I think this is the game. I think this is the game where a corner gets an interception. What says you? Wow, wow, that that would be nice for once. <laughs> that would be nice to see. It's, I mean, it's the holiday I, season. Everybody's got to get some. Well, sticking with that theme of the holiday season, I think when you get you have these new shiny toys like Epps and, and like Jaquette, I think you go ahead and you and everybody's really intrigued by these guys. You're like saying you haven't seen much of them, and then you see that they're actually playing decent. It's like, oh, okay, cool, and. The, the good thing is there isn't that much tape on them. There, there really is not. So it's going to be tough for that cow for the Cowboys offense. And when it comes to Mike McCarthy play calling as well, too, you like, hey, you want to try to isolate these guys? Well, they're proving that they can actually go ahead and stand a test of time and stand up every time they go ahead and uh, take the challenges. And it's just going to be tough because I, I have no problem at all with it when Slay returns. Uh, when Slay returns and he goes into Amari Cooper, okay, he's eliminated you know, I, for the most part you don't have to worry about that just because of his history on that one i really want to see 
how Jaquette does against probably either C.D. Lamb or Nikel Roby does against C.D. Lamb because he's basically, when it comes to the wide receivers, he's the one that you had to worry about about the most when it comes to Cowboys offense now. And Well, see, uh, see I'm going to disagree with you there. Sorry to cut you off, but Michael Gallup has been a really tough matchup for this team the last two years. I actually think Jaquette versus Gallup is very interesting because, um, look, Jaquette has good speed. He's a 4-4 guy. And he he's also got long arms. I'm wondering if he completely blankets him in this game just because of his reach, because of his physicality. He's also a former wide receiver, so he knows route combinations. He knows how to study stems. He knows how to study double moves. And he was with DeAndre Hopkins on basically like every catch. It was just DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. Like the one-handed touchdown catch is the most one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen. Um and Michael Gallup just simply isn't on that level. So I, I do like I, this could be the coming out party, the true coming out party for Michael Jaquette. Um, but yeah, I agree. CD lambs trouble, but he w- didn't really cause that much trouble against the Eagles last time is, is kind of my, where I, I stand. And, and the thing I, I think about more as now is it just seems like Dalton is finding him and gotten more comfortable with him now and the way he's going ahead and he, the way he's running routes, he looks like he's to me, he looks like the most dangerous receiver that they have. So that's why I wonder if they go ahead and and, and move Jaquette there because he, the way he's been running around, even when it comes to like those little even the sideline routes, those corner routes, those the little quick fades, and he, even in the in the middle of the field, the way he's working on, on those option routes, he he looks like the mo- the guy you gotta truly worry about because if not, he he can go ahead and just even with those 10, 15 yards, he's gonna keep the drives going, and we all know what he's capable of when he has the ball in his hands, and and the way some this team sometimes. Uh, shows their inability to tackle when they're downfield, especially in the secondary, it really scares me when he's out there. So that's why I, I if I had to, like me personally, I would watch Jaquette on him. I, I would like I'm not completely disagreeing. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and put Jaquette on Gallup. I, I would not be at all. But it's C D Lamb or, or whoever's on C D Lamb, even if it's Nicole Ruby Coleman, they better have have their A game ready because I'm that's the match. Whoever's on him, that's the matchup I'm really concerned about. Well, I think the problem with CD Lamb is is when he's in the slot, you can't press him. And part of the reason why he fell in the draft is there were teams that were concerned about his ability to get off press. Um, that's why I probably wouldn't have somebody like Mike Mark. Sorry, Mike Epps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Yeah. After next part four, sorry. <laughs> uh, Marcus Epps or Kayvon Wallace covering him. I don't think that that's necessarily a good idea either. Uh, yeah, Nikel Roby Coleman. It, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Look, Darius Slay is probably going to travel with Amari Cooper. That's literally why you you traded for him. Um, so I think you know you could do assignments. You could do you know sides. You could like. I do. I don't think like Jaquette's going to travel with Gallup, right? I, I think that when CD Lamb's on the outside, it'll be CD Lamb versus Michael Jaquette, and it'll be Gallup versus Nikel Roby Coleman, and maybe that's how the Cowboys try to attack because you know if he's at the Z spot, he still isn't going to be pressed. So, um, and it seems like Jaquette really plays well actually off the ball so um like the fumble that he he caused on DeAndre Hopkins he was five yards off of off of the line of scrimmage so I mean uh I I, look I think the secondary actually matches up pretty okay um I I like Jalen Mills versus Dalton Schultz who's actually played very very well this year um I also like Kayvon Wallace against Dalton Schultz uh I like this pass rush against that Cowboys offensive line. 
Um, I think Brandon Graham's going to get 10 sacks. I know he's been held out <laughs> uh, the last six games, but I just have this feeling that that Pro Bowl nod, look, he's got one thing left he really needs to accomplish, and that's the 10 sack season. He really wants to earn it. Um, I think I think that he's going to get it. He's going to be motivated. It, maybe he gets a sack in this game, and then he gets two against Washington, but I just see this happening. I, like, I remember when Fletcher Cox – was trying to get his first 10 sack season in 2018 and he had like this mammoth like game against Washington they were in a similar situation where uh they needed help to get in the playoffs and he had three sacks uh at FedEx Field so I I could see that something similar happening with with Brandon Graham um now they're not going to probably have uh, Josh Sweat we should talk about this okay so their rotation will be Brandon Graham Derek Barnett, Vinnie Curry, and whatever Jannard Avery is willing to give them. Uh, I do wonder if they bring in Joe Osman as like a a guy, but like even then, I, I don't, I don't really like when you when you're facing like two offensive tackles who are not really uh, who are subpar or like league average. I don't really like rushing smaller guys. Uh, especially if they're not really proven. Like I'd rather go with the guys that I know can, can, can rush the passer as opposed to guys who I've seen in practice do well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, I, I just feel like you, you, you want a big people beat up little people or you want your premium talent to beat up the mediocre talent. Like I think this could be a big game for Derek Barnett personally. Um, and Derek Barnett, look, I think Derek Barnett needs to get extended. You know, actually let's get into this conversation because this is a conversation I really wanted to have with you. I'm at the point where, you know, we were speaking to Brandon Graham yesterday and, uh, you know, he said that he wants to play for 15 years. Okay. He's in year 11 right now. He's got one year left on his contract. Uh, the Eagles really need to save some cap space. I'm wondering if it doesn't just make sense to look, he, he, it's tough to sign guys to an extension in a year like this, but I think Jeffrey Lurie should be saying to himself, like, it'd be a shame for Brandon Graham to go somewhere else. Like, it's not like they have the pass rushing talent to, you know, just throw him aside. Right. And like, I think the two guys that need to retire, not need to retire here, but you theoretically want to retire here are Jason Kelsey and, and Brandon Graham. Right. Uh, probably the two most meaningful non-quarterback non-Malcolm Jenkins players on this team from the Super Bowl team. Um and look, this isn't even like a heart decision. This is a mind decision. He's playing at a, an extremely high level. Derek Barnett is still kind of developing at a slower pace. Josh Sweat's really good, but do you he does have a large injury history. Do you think he's just a rotational pass rusher? To me, you know, you've kept Vinny Curry around for so long. Do you just, you know, lower Brandon Graham's cap number and sign him to, to like a three-year extension um, instead of maybe shopping him or doing whatever? I think this Pro Bowl makes it very difficult to cut or trade Brandon Graham um, from an optics view. Do you agree? I agree, yeah, because it's, it's tough to find di- – uh, Defensive ends, not only who can actually just rush the passer, but are also good against the run as well, too. And he's able to do both. He's one of your most passionate, and he's one of the vocal leaders on this defense. And you need guys like that, especially with Malcolm Jenkins not being around as well, too. 
And I think if they're able if they're able to work something out where they go ahead and give him an extension to lower his number and they can go ahead and use that more towards Derek Barnett, lower that number as well too, I think it's a win-win because if any if anybody gives you hope that Derek Barnett can actually go ahead and get better over time and, and blossom to what anybody thinks he really truly is capable, it was Brandon Graham. So he was a late he was a late bloomer and then hopefully you have the same thing when it comes to Derek Barnett. So I wouldn't be adverse against anything like that as well too i really wouldn't be so i hope they go ahead and they, they're able to figure something out long term graham should be one of those lifelong eels he's i also had zachers as one of my like the three i throw him in there but we all know where that's going to be headed probably most likely so it stinks with that but i definitely think that uh i think graham should be stick around here for the long term and he deserves that day where he plays his last game with the eagles and there's that big press conference after the season whenever that is he said 15 years, and it's another four years from now. So if it's four years from now or even longer than that, he deserves that option to go ahead and and, a big, and get that big send-off while wearing green, midnight green the whole entire time. So he's one of the people I would definitely say so. Well, I mean, look, again, you have to work with your head, and he's playing at a premium level. So I think, you know, signing him to a three-year extension, then you figure out where you go from there. Uh, hopefully you've developed guys. Like, I, I, I'm not in favor of, like, riding this till the wheels fall off with Jason P like Jason Peters. Like, but if I'm Brandon Graham, I'm looking at how they've treated Jason Peters, how they treated Darren Sproles, how they treated, uh, you know, so, uh, Vinnie Curry, who hasn't been as effective as Brandon Graham ever, you know, um, like to me, <clears throat> I'm sitting there and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't just a, like a head decision. This is a heart. This isn't just a heart decision. It's a head decision. Like Brandon Graham is legitimately playing some of his best football at the age of 33, or I guess he's 32 right now. I think we were born the same year. Hold on. Let me see. Let me double check. I don't want to give you poor information, but um, I'll say this. And like on a real level, cause it's Christmas, Brandon Graham is one of the most endearing people to cover that, I've come across in my, in my career. He really is a genuine guy. He's been through a ton of stuff um, and he's prevailed. Yeah. He, he turns 33 in April. So like another five years would make him 38. I don't, I don't think, I don't see him doing that. I don't, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. Right. But um, I think he, he's got three years where he can play at a, at a, at a reasonable level where you can, um, you can say, look, I think that, uh, as my dog barks in the background, I think he agrees, um, <laughs> that he kind of deserves to be here. And, um, you look at Trent Cole, Cole, who's a similarly built player. Um, he didn't get to retire here. He, he, he's 38 right now and he retired five years ago. So it's just difficult when you're that size to play that long. But it, I look, I, I think Brandon Graham's the guy and I'll have something on that on Sunday morning. Um, kind of more thought extended thoughts on that, but let's get into our picks as my dog continues to bark. Um, what, what do you have? I think I had a 24, 17 Eagles. I think it's going to be one of those games where they go ahead. I think they actually get out to a quick start, but then it's going to be, a, a, a little uh, stomach turning toward the end as it gets closer, but I really think the Eagles are, are going to have a good day. And don't be surprised if you think Malik Jackson does a good job. I think even though he hates playing defensive end, I think they may put him out there once in a while to go ahead, given the defensive end situation. I think he goes ahead no matter where he is. I think he, he has a really good 
a good game on Sunday. And shout out to him who, you know, Malik's got a long history of, of uh, giving um, a really, really charitable guy. He spent $25,000 on coats. Uh, I believe it was for the homeless, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, for homeless. Yeah, it was, it, it was really nice to see him go in ahead. Phil- and, uh, in Philadelphia, by the way. Yeah, it was great to see the NFLPA give him a shout out, and 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 basically, it's good to see a lot. And that's the good thing about with this team, you have a lot of guys, and we don't have a lot a lot of time like when it comes to talking about it. We have a lot of guys that are part of this community, really charitable, and, and just like overall decent guys on this team. And I think that uh, it, it should be celebrated what these guys are doing, especially with their own money and and everything else, making sure to give back to the people. So so, kudos to to Malik Jackson. To the Rodney McLeods, to Zach, Zach Ertz, Ertz, Boston Scott, uh, Alex Singleton, uh, Alex Singleton. Yeah, there's a lot of good people on this team. Like we, you know, that's kind of I think why I get a little frustrated when people are just like, "Oh, don't play this guy," or "This guy's terrible," or "He's trash," or whatever. Like they're humans, and and a lot of them have done a lot of really good things. So I had them winning. I have the Eagles winning twenty four to twenty. I do. Th- I agree with you. I think this is going to be a quick, like they get up 14 to to six at halftime. And then it's like, you, it's the waiting game. Right. And then Dallas comes roaring back and it's, you know, it's a 20 to 17 game. And then Jalen Hurts leads a comeback drive and it's done. And look, here, we might as well do this. What do you think happens in Washington, Carolina? I think by the time we talk on Monday uh, for our po- next podcast, I think we'll be talking about NFC East Championship game. I really Yeah, I, I, I do too. It just kind of feels, uh, just to update you on Wednesday, Dwayne Haskins and Taylor Heineke, uh, part of the Hive. Um, <laughs> another OD guy, uh, you know, along with Travis Fulga. Um they got first team reps. Alex Smith was limited. I'm assuming that he basically just worked an individual. I'd say if Alex Smith is not, I mean, you should stay tuned to NJ.com because we'll update on it. But um, I'd say that if he is an individual or limited on Thursday, chances are it's going to be Dwayne Haskins or Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke started like two games in his entire career. And as big of a fan as I was of him coming out of the draft, I just kind of don't see how he defeats Carolina, his former team. Um, I th- Look, Christian McCaffrey's not going to play, but I like Mike Davis. Uh, they've got Curtis Samuel still. There's there's a lot to like there. I think Teddy Bridgewater is is starting to come into his own as a, as a franchise quarterback again. I'm going to go 21 to 17 Carolina. What do you got? Wow. I, I think I'll go 24 24- that's actually a pretty good one. I think I'll go twenty. I'll go twenty four twenty on this one because knowing Matt Rule and covering him for a few years, he's not going to he's not going to let up on his on his teams when it, especially comes late in the season. Even if they're out of it, he's he's one of those coaches that will make sure he drives home the point that it's all about winning. It's all about setting up the culture. It's all about setting up for next year. So he's going to have those guys playing hard, and and it's going to be a uh, be favorable for the Eagles depending on who you talk to. Well, but and look, he's al- he's also going to be playing the guy that he replaced too, right? Ron yeah, Rivera. Yeah. So this is this is going to be an interesting game. Um, look, I, I, this is wild, okay? Uh, I, I just think like the dynamics of all of this are very interesting. Um, 
But remember, you can follow along during the game with us, uh, nj.com slash text. Sign up for Eagles Extra. We'll be sending you notes and, and analysis during the game. You can chat back with us. Also, you can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. Uh, make sure you give us those five-star ratings and comment on Chris's love for old guys. Really? On, yeah, I mean, he, he, <laughs> look, Alshon Jeffrey, like Jason Peters, you know, whatever. Anyway, but, you know, we want to wish you guys uh, a Merry Christmas, uh, a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, everything. Um, I know Hanukkah was a couple of weeks or a week ago. Uh, my son really, really enjoyed it. Um, not myself, not so much, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? But for Chris, I'm Mike. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you after the week 16 likely win. I'm going to say against Dallas. 